and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street, a monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and you can also rate and review us on Apple iTunes. All right, everyone. Today, we're talking about Eve's Bayou with Crystal Marie Stewart. Welcome back, Crystal. What? what? What's up, guys? Tell the listeners what you've been up to since you've been on the show last. Oh, Lord. Um, Well, I only have one semester of grad school left, so that's exciting. Uh, (laughs) I know it's wild. (laughs) What am I going to do with my life? Um, And I'm working on some content right now. I'm working on a web series that's currently entitled Dead Ringer. Um, The title may change. I'm also working on a short Zoom-themed horror anthology, a tentative title, Polycom. Um, That will be incoming as well. My sorry, my dog's tails is distracting me. Um, <laughs> if you want to follow me on the internet, um, you can follow me on Facebook at Crystal Marie. But if you friend request me, I won't know who you are. And <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram, but my Insta handle changed and I don't remember what it is. So Sheree is gonna have to. <laughs> I got married, so I had to change my Instagram handle. We'll we'll plug it in there somewhere. Uh, right. have you watched any cool horror movies, spooky things since last time? Yes. Well, you guys already did a whole episode on his house, but I love that movie. I also watched anything for Jackson, which was like more interesting than I expected it to be. Just because like whenever I see white people in a horror movie, I am instantly bored. But I think (laughs) like the idea of it, I wish people did more scary grand person horror because I feel like grandparents are scary and I feel like we don't capitalize. Like we haven't had one since the visit. Um, So I really liked that movie. I finally watched Color Out of Space and like Nicolas Cage is annoying, but I like that movie a lot. I watched, um, hold on a second. It was the one where I'm trying to think it was a uh, Possessor. Mm, that one I finally was- watched Possessor. It was cool. It was weird. <laughs> it was the, it was the Cronenberg, well, Brandon Cronenberg, I guess, who's David's son. It's like first movie, which like helped me because I knew there was going to be body horror elements. Um, I just think it was a little, it was weird in a way that I'm not sure was good, but it was definitely interesting. And I want to see another one of his movies, like as a, as a style, as an introduction to style. Like I am weird. I'm going to talk to you a lot about science. Really scary shit is going to happen somewhere in there. And then at the end, you'll be like, what? I, I'm down for that. It's <laughs> worth watching. That one lady who was in the Black Mirror episode, Archangel, was in it. So all in all, it was fine. It was well acted. Sean Bean was there. Spoiler mm-hmm. alert, he's not going to make it to the end of the movie, but that's not even a spoiler alert anymore um, <laughs> because Sean Bean doesn't survive anything. So no. yeah, um, so Possessor is a movie that I want more people to watch because I'm confused and I feel like <laughs> I want to talk about it with more people. So you guys should watch it and then I'll listen to what you think. But I, I that was one of the most interesting, scary movies that I have seen ever. <laughs> 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 Let's get down into Eve's Bayou with just some general thoughts. Number one, I I'm here for more films set in the South, centering BIPOC characters. That cent- that the central theme is not slavery or racism. We get those all the time, and it's like you know, Twelve Years a Slave, or like I can't think of right, Selma, which are great films, but like, uh, but this one was <laughs> like that. So that was cool. It was refreshing. I always tense up when black people go to the south in a movie just because it never ends well i agree i think that's why like this movie is about black people who are in the south already mm-hmm. and like have their own community and we see like tension between different like class structures within the black community i find all of that really interesting and i feel like we don't get it a lot because it's like black person from new york goes down south mm-hmm. to get attacked by hillbillies and it's like there are already black people in the south (laughs) we just make some movies about those people i will piggyback on that and say i've been watching a lot of movies that were set in louisiana recently and there's this weird habit um i watched this weird bad movie called self slash less which was a waste of ryan reynolds um and there's like it's there's this whole part where they're in louisiana and ryan reynolds only talks to one black person who's played by Derek luke which means i automatically distrust him and he doesn't talk to any other black people but like then during the montage there's all of these like sections of like black people tap dancing black people doing voodoo black people play basketball black people eating soul food and i'm like so you're trying to like 
communicate to me that he has a lot of black people around him without having him i don't know interact with any of those black people in a substantive way <laughs> black people are just the set and i noticed it's a thing that happens a lot in louisiana where it's like we want to set this movie in louisiana because we love the culture but we don't love black people so there aren't going to be black characters just atmosphere <laughs> so it was nice to have a character that's like so deep south and rooted in the black culture itself not using it as like a backdrop yeah yes yes i also i feel like we just have to go ahead and talk about this up here because this movie pops up in a lot of horror lists and i i just need us to go ahead and figure out is it actually of the genre genre adjacent or is there just such a lack of black mainstream horror movies that they shoehorn this in and put it on Cassie Lemons to carry us through? I think all three are correct. <laughs> yes. I think it's yes and and. <laughs> so I had mentioned that this movie came out in 1997. Wow, right? <laughs> um, Journey Smollett, your skin is great. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I'm thinking about like other movies and like, except for like slasher films, I don't think there was a whole lot of nuance within the horror genre at the time. So if it was like scary at all, it got put in there. If I sorted this as a horror film, it would be more in like the get out variety in that I think that some of the interpersonal dynamics within the story structure are as horrific as the like death parts. Yeah, I think, yeah, because I kind of put but this... But, like, did I jump? No. Right. And I kind of put it in the same world, like I said, or like we were talking about earlier before we started recording, with, like, the craft or, like, horror that's more internalized and, like, about character-driven choices. Um, but, yeah, Chris, I, like, I didn't jump either. It was, you know, to me, if I, if I go into this thinking this is a horror movie and I'm going to be scared, I'm going to leave disappointed. There were, like, spooky yeah. vibes. Yes. It felt more like a mystical drama because I mean, you have the second sight and you have like the dead husbands of the auntie who just sort of appear for some sense. So it was more magical realism for me than horror. And I was also just kind of confused about why we would force this into the horror genre on all these lists. If it's not- There are ghosts. Yeah. I guess are we, like- Are we just afraid of black people? Is that what it is? Is that well, why it's yeah, one? Place? Yes. <laughs> but two, <laughs> I also think that if you think about like those stupid graphics that are like, what is a taco? And it's like a hot dog is a taco because it's two buns with meat in the middle. Like if you think about it as like horror movies, like situations that are scary and then like scary themes like castles and like ghosts and like murder like if you do on that then we technically have a horrifying situation in which our protagonist has some stressful things going on and there's supernatural elements like ghosts you could technically word salad yourself into a horror movie but if someone promised me it's horror movie night and they were like Eve's Bayou I would be like no I mean I guess thematically it's horrific to me like the movie eighth grade was horrific to me but I don't think it was a horror movie I just hated middle school a lot so, like that's how I feel but I do think it has spooky vibes yeah and just while we're on this the the way they shot the like the premonitions or the the second sight that she has that was kind of scary like though it was uh, it was kind of off kilter the colors were inverted, like it was, so I could see where that might could get people kind of like on, on the edge of scary, but I don't know. I'll also say, I guess this will segue into my point that I like that this is a movie about voodoo made by black people, not by white people, <laughs> because mm -hmm. I feel like another reason why it gets sorted into the horror genre is because it feels so heavily and concretely in magic and not just like magic in like a, practical magic play rosemary but it'll like <laughs> fuck people up take your revenge <laughs> cut people and that's really scary like i've been reading a lot about how like witches are other like even in this scenario where there's lots of different black people like black the black community even currently in 2021 is going through this weird thing where we're trying to decide like is sage witchcraft like does jesus say you can't do like there's this like weird many African and African-based diasporic traditions are both steeped in like the Christianity that people learned as a culture and in like the African traditions of the time and different ex different 
expressions of it are seen as more or less like safe or wholesome or whatever. And so I do think, I guess, if you think about like voodoo and dark magic as something that could be really scary, which to a lot of people even now is really scary, um, it might seem more like a horror film. It's just not to me because I don't find things like that inherently scary. (laughs) 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 Because I do witchcraft casually. I feel like most millennials do now and so it's like witches aren't really scary they're my neighbors um <laughs> just we're unimpressed hey, Jane she brought us muffins like really... I, she makes the best muffins <laughs> but in the 90s yeah. like you know someone's grandma like went to see this movie because Diane Carroll was in it and we're like did you see her doing all that witchcraft <laughs> um my one other general thought is I just the summer I killed my father is the only line I ever want to hear start a script I won't hear any other lines and I so I'm glad that that was our last general thought (laughs) (laughs) everything everything now begins with the summer I killed my father (laughs) so let's get down to our our specific notes on the the film and since we all kind of definitely have thoughts on this let's start with um, notes on the relationship between Cecily and her father um, and how whew, that is some let's start with the hardest one <laughs> yeah let's just go there because I was really uh, what I found horrifying was <laughs> some of the internet discourse around this film because I hadn't seen it in a while and Same. I was like oh I'm gonna rewatch it and also I'm I would like I like to come at it not just from like what was in the movie but also like what happened around the movie right and so I was like let's see what people were writing about and I had I saw an alarming number of think pieces about like you know maybe this interaction was consensual and so I would just like to go on the record and say it was not it was absolutely not if you think that you are the problem (laughs) yes I do think that like part of the story is that all of the narrators are unreliable which we will get to later but like whether or not no it doesn't matter (laughs) like someone's parent is not ever consensually no that's that's one of my biggest issues is that whole relationship like if nothing else that should be a conversation on power dynamics grooming and victim blaming and instead of that conversation people are doing what they always do and saying black girls are fast and like she knew what she was doing and it's like no 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 she is the child that is her father whether or not he like was co-signing it or is allowing it to happen it's wrong also mom seeing it not saying anything is wrong all these aunts and uncles and friends just being like oh it's cute they're all wrong. They're all accomplices. <laughs> One of my issues with the film in, a, in, a, in all, like, number one, their relationship is weird from the jump. Like, from the beginning, I was like, this is not, this is not normal. And, and then, so then when it escalated, it was, it was off-putting, but it was still like, I, I just, it, it still felt weird. And then at the end, when they try to, like, go back and, like, do the big twist that, it was actually her that initiated it. It was like, that doesn't matter. Like, I don't, and then, like, cause then Journey or um, Eve comes up to her sister and says, you're a liar, you lied to me, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it either way, <laughs> the dad was in the wrong. <laughs> the tea is, I feel as if, what could fix that? Cause I think, I think, I hope, I don't know. I am reading enough think pieces from the director herself so like I don't want to put words in your mouth ma'am but I think what was trying to be said is about how children should not be the ones having to like make these kind of calls and figure this kind of stuff out and so that's why the more information Eve gets the more weird and fucked up and non-linear the narrative gets because there's no way that that tiny child is going to be able to understand this and the adults around her are all so complicit and I think, again, I don't know you, Casey Lemons, I don't know your life. However, I would think that as a person who grew up a young Black girl in America, having so many people put their shit on you, Mm -hmm. I would think that all of the adults being garbage would be purposeful. (laughs) And the point, I think, again, I don't know, someone should remake this. Not because this one is bad, and I want Journey to play Lynn Whitfield's character, but I just think 
I would I would really really interested in a more psychological take on this movie and like having it be kind of like that movie Room where we see things so heavily through the child protagonist's eyes because I think that's what she was trying to say is I think that's why it's so weird at the end is because this kid is like making all these giant decisions she should not be responsible for making <laughs> trying to <laughs> suss out all of these things she should not be responsible for sussing out because all of the adults in her life are garbage and no one's going to therapy exactly and it also just goes back to how people process trauma and so when she came at her sister about how she lied i didn't take it as her like being a full-grown adult knowing what she's saying is bullshit and flawed i took it as her trying to figure out her complicated feelings for mourning her father while also knowing her father did some fucked up shit but not knowing how fucked up it was exactly because of all the different angles and timelines of people lying to her and gaslighting her so she knows he's wrong she doesn't know how wrong and so she's needing somebody to yell at in that moment and it's the sister who maybe gave her a version of the truth that allows her to find her father somewhat less of an asshole uh so it's that's another reason why i feel this belongs in more of a drama scenario because you have all these family dynamics that we're trying to unpack and unravel around some witchcraft as opposed to let's kill a bunch of people let's get some blood going i was also just mad at the think pieces because the think pieces were from like recent like the think pieces were from like the 2000s and i'm like you usually men or grown men <laughs> trying to have this conversation you know that's how this movie is about <laughs> so like if you just want his excuse to not exile the pedophiles in your life like okay sis go off i'm gonna drag you so like you should be glad that I chose not to pull your medium links and read out the titles because I'm going to give you some time to think about your lives but like I was utterly and thoroughly horrified at some things right. that people write about this movie people love victim blaming um as someone who's come from so many small towns that's living in another small town they love to go the victim was asking for it because or the victim had it coming because and so they don't know how to process and unpackage that they are damaged <laughs> um, and they can stand to learn empathy and they could stand to like actually look at it as an objective observer as opposed to this is my favorite football player. He could never do this. Yeah. Well, and, and going back to what you were saying earlier, Crystal, about like possibly like remaking this today, I think that it would be really interesting to see that and to see how like the Me Too movement and all that, and like the new, the newer um, conversations that we've been having about power structure and sexual assault and that kind of stuff, how that would affect the filmmaking. I think it might make the theme and the and the um, the point that she was trying, hopefully, trying to make a little more clearer than what yeah. I think this movie gives us. I think so too, because I think it's one of those. Also, the '90s was like this weird. I, I talk about the '90s; it was a really long time ago, but in film, it was right, it like. Was. And like movies that were coming out around that time, particularly from black people, like Spike Lee's joints around that time were like this. It was very like expressionist, like you're gonna watch it six times and like figure out, like if you think about He Got Game versus like the things that Spike Lee has come out with recently, they're like completely different genres. And so there was this thing where like most of the popular, particularly black filmmakers were making these like art house type of things where you had to like think a lot. And I don't hate that, but I would be interested to see a more psychological take where like the director makes it slightly more clear what you are supposed to be getting out of it. Um, just to see if it would be different. I, I'm gonna sort of piggyback off this conversation because one of my notes is that I hate how her entire support system keeps gaslighting her and blaming her for what the adults are doing. They're never just like, oh no, he had an affair in front of you. They're like, how dare you repeat what you saw in that shit. Um, and so I, the gaslighting and the blaming bothered me because I feel like, especially in the black community, we don't get to be children as young black girls. Um, we always have to worry about people thinking that we're fast or shoving all their responsibilities on us as adults because they can't process their own shit and they're getting mad at us if we slip up. Like, how are we supposed to raise children when we are a child? Go to so therapy. Stop it. Um, yeah. Go to therapy. As I said in Lovecraft Country, all these hoes need to go to therapy. Yes. Um, because I think the women in the play know that the man in everyone's life is not safe. So rather than remove him <laughs> they're like <laughs> trying to police the children's behavior as a weird fucked up way to try to like protect them but it's like you don't want to protect them a divorce yes 
a move away to a new place. Yeah. <laughs> No, the fact that his mother and his sister know that he's trash and your kids know that he's having affairs and you're just like, he's not, he's just a man and I'm sad. And I'm just like, no, you can have agency. You can change this now. Also, Eve don't never go nowhere. So if Eve found out that your husband was having an affair on you and she never leaves and goes anywhere, then like, he's being messy and that's his problem. Get right? out of hell. Do you have money? Right? Why are you some people at our garage or whatever? Like, right. at a party. piece of shit. <laughs> right? Going to the well, bar every night. Like, I just... Yes. He wasn't even hiding it. I mean, he's they're at, they're at the bar and playing. Everybody knows. Everybody sees it. She's married, too. Don't forget that, because that's how he dies. Yeah, like, they weren't hiding it. Every, like, the... It, that scene where she goes into the bar, I was like, you just let this, this, like, 10-year-old child into this bar? Like, what is going on with this community? <laughs> this... I didn't I didn't clock this until this just now. There were no white people in this film. It's probably because for a long time, if you wanted to make a movie about black people that wasn't just about racism, you couldn't have any white people in the movie. Like the color purple is about a lot of things, but the minute white people come on screen, it's about racism. And I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily, but like if you are like, I am not making this about that, then like you have to avoid white people altogether. Like I'm trying to think, the five heartbeats is a perfect example where like they don't completely sidestep white people, but they sidestep them enough that like it's about their intro. If you want to make it an intra relationship conflict where it's like, this is about our family. This is about our town. This is about black people then often you just have to remove white people entirely <laughs> um, i guess that's why it's a horror movie because white people were like we're not in this <laughs> it must be genre. <laughs> look what black people do when we're not around <laughs> it's like no i don't think you got this but okay <laughs> <laughs> but no yeah they were bold they were not hiding it at all they were slapping her in the face all the time i didn't like that either <laughs> keep y'all's hands off her too i this was like this was like a real rough um how i learned to drive for black people that's what this felt mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. i could see that yeah, well, yeah. the scene where the mom slaps her it's like yeah she disobeyed you but still like you don't see that she has clearly got some kind of emotional something happening like she's already acting strange from the beginning and the mom seems either it, to ignore it or to I don't know I not see it but I can't think she can't see it I don't know don't well, want to see it yeah like it's one of those things where you always hear about people who are in these like horrible marriages and like ideally hopefully it's not this kind of stuff that's happening but like there comes a point where you decide like am I going to leave this person or am I going to stay with them and if you decide to stay with them you sometimes have to like make up a false version of reality in order to allow yourself to keep going. I don't think it's right, but like, I think that would be accurate for that situation. Like if you've decided, even like if you read the description of Eve's Bayou, like if you look at the Wikipedia, it's like, what the fuck is a great father, but not a great husband. And it's like, is he a great father? <laughs> I don't believe that. So I just think part of what this movie is about is realizing that your parents are human beings which happens to everybody hopefully less traumatically but like everybody has that moment where like you have this idea of like this is my dad he does this he does this he's like a cartoon character in my mind and then he does something and you're like you got sick like how you know <laughs> like this is just a very very fucked up version of that where you're like especially in this community where children are supposed to like listen to everything older people tell them even if it's contradicting each other um <laughs> that like it can be hard to figure out like oh i think you're wrong like i think you fucked up those poor kids man i also liked they were all casual redheads that was nice um people love to talk about black people not only having to have black hair and it's like black redheads exist thank you uh, that was one of Journey's little brothers, not the one that was being messy in Chicago, but the other one. The other one. I think Jake. They're all f fabulous and hot and talented. Every single one of them. That whole family. The Smollett's. The Smollett's. <laughs> talented singing and dancing fools. <laughs> um, I enjoyed there was not a lot of, like, 
I enjoyed it wasn't a musical. I just really enjoyed that we just didn't have any stereotypical black things. Not that I don't love black musicals. We Jingle Jangle is great. I'm just saying that for a while, the only movies that you saw black people in were ones where people were singing and dancing or playing sports. <laughs> or being especially, especially in the late 90s. Especially in the late 90s. Yes. So much basketball. Basketball everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> So I just find it interesting that in this movie, we talk a lot about the truth, right? That like the truth hurts and lies kill. And, but like within the world of the movie, those people try to act like the people telling the truth are the problem, but that's not the truth. Like, so like even the movie in and of itself is an unreliable narrator because the way that the, the way that the script is set up, we're made to be like, oh damn, that person lied and it ruined everything. And it's like, no, actually, <laughs> that person over there being a predator is what ruined everything. Right? Um, right? Put the blame on the men. <laughs> Give it I to them. I feel like there was so much uproar whenever anyone was like, like even old boy who came in to the place drunk, like, should he have shot that man? Probably not. But like, why are we mad at him? Like, he was minding his own business, being a good husband while his wife was out here drinking with God and everybody in front of everyone. Like, and everyone was looking at him when he came in that bar like, it's like, no, that is, he is not the problem here. Right. right? I felt like I was being gaslighted. Like, I was like. Yes. <laughs> yeah. The, this whole town knows. They're all in the bar watching it go down. But when he walks in, all of a sudden, we like, care. <laughs> Right. And it's like, you could have also told your friends who didn't get to this level, because it's been happening for a while. Right. The first 30, 40 times, you could have been like, hey, I think that... <laughs> Maybe y'all should go on a trip. I don't know. <laughs> or I find a new bar where everyone we know doesn't... Anyway, so I just was like, I literally felt like I was being gaslighted when that happened. When he walked in there, and I literally think people were like gasping and all this shit. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why are you acting like this is a surprise? We're out in public in front of everyone. One of y'all spouses was eventually going to wander they ass into this bar. And, right, and it looked like it was the only bar in town, so like... Don't cheat with people you know! I felt so bad. That poor man, side note, that poor, that guy who played her husband, he was great. That thing where he was like, I loved you. And Samuel L was like, I love you too. And I was like, you're a trick ass bitch. You don't love that man. <laughs> love nobody but yourself. That should be the name episode. You're a trick ass bitch. Oh. <laughs> I was just mad. Also, did you know that I think pretty sure this was Samuel L's first big villain role and he co-produced this. That's one of my notes, so we can cross that one off. But yeah, Sorry. I was gonna, because he never gets to be a straight up villain. I mean, he does in Tarantino. And when he first started out, he was taking any role for black men that's usually lots of crack and like gun pointing. But like, since he became a name, he's not played a villain aside from this movie he produced, which I find interesting and is also very telling that black people have to create their own shit. Um, <laughs> and he should play more villains. I just feel like black dudes always end up being like, I'm wise. I'm here yeah. to shepherd this white protagonist along to the final destination. Also, Trent, let's talk about casting. Yes, because I'm here for this cast. All these women are amazing. Phenomenal. I was like, wait, that's, wait, that, uh, what? Uh, the whole time, first, like 10 minutes of this movie. <laughs> so we got Journey Smollett, duh, <laughs> who we love from uh, Lovecraft Country. Megan Good, who, like Crystal said in, in one of her notes, is so underrated. Um, <laughs> She's been in so many horror films. One of my favorite that she was in was The Unborn. Great film. It's so fun. Uh, Lynn Whitfield, who I was first introduced to in, in Greenleaf, which I loved. Really? Mm -hmm. I, I, I probably saw her before because she looked familiar in that too, but I just yeah. couldn't place it, you know? Uh, but she's fantastic. And then Debbie Morgan, who that was my favorite clock because I remembered her from Charmed. Amazing. I didn't think she was in Charmed because I've never she seen her. For like two or three one. seasons. Damn, I've seen her as like the sidekick because like her and the wife who's sleeping around, whose name I just forgot, something Carson. Ah, yes. um, both of them have been around as like sidekicks and side characters for decades. And I was always wanting them to have more to do. And so I was happy this movie gave them more to do. But also again, black people have to create their own shit because you have all this talent just going to waste serving all these white people. Yeah. It was also <laughs> fun to see Diane Carroll in a like, rough and tumble kind of role because I feel like she's known for being like I'm here to drag you all I am beat down for the gods I am here to throw shade and be put together and so it was really fun to see her like be a gutter ass witch I really enjoyed 
Oh, I love that moment when Journey steals the pineapple. <laughs> she sees her, she says, bad kid. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was when she was like, I'm going to kill this man dead. And she was like, are you sure? And she was like, okay, you bring me some hair. And she's like, I brought some. And she's like, okay, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Everything Journey does after finding out what happened is so me that I claimed her as a Gemini. I was like, this character is a Gemini. I won't hear anything else. She's like, we have a problem. I'm going to go fix it. That How do you do voodoo, auntie? Mm, getting his hair. What? And you know, here's the tea. If literally anyone in this family <laughs> had made it clear that they would be solutions-based individuals, <laughs> we wouldn't have had to go to the dark arts. That's what kids go to their first instinct when you have cut off seemingly all <laughs> mundane avenues. They're like black magic. Like that happens right? all the time. It was fun to see so many Black female characters and, like, the misogynoir in general aside <laughs> with regards to, like, us all yelling at Journey when it's not her fault. Mm. I will say that I enjoyed that the whole thing wasn't, like... Like, I liked that the sister relationship was relatively intact for the most part, both sets of them, because I feel like in all Black movies, it's always like, we have a huge family and, like, only one of the sisters anyone likes and the other sister, the older sister, who actually does everything, we shit on her for no reason. And so I enjoyed that that was not the dynamic <laughs> we were <laughs> engaged with because I'm tired of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was, a, okay, so I, I, I'm going to ask you guys this question because I was confused. The moment when um eve goes back to the the witch to to get the voodoo doll and then she decided that she did I, why did she decide why what was that i, I was confused by that whole interaction he, here's what i had seen happen she went to get the voodoo doll to do the work and then the woman was like i already did it and she was like but i wanted to do it but also it's real now and so she was like i gotta go find and fix that maybe and then I might be back for next food doll. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was a combination of one. I don't think, I think because again, this young woman, every time <laughs> she's like, I have a problem. Everyone's like, shut up. <laughs> so I feel like she wasn't really expecting it to go this far, right? Mm -hmm. Like she was like, I'm going to do this. It's not going to happen though. And then she said, like, come back at this time and we'll talk about it. And then she was like, great, I'm ready. And she was like, I did it. And she's like, what? <laughs> that was not what I thought was going to happen. So I think it's a combination of that. And also, like, right when someone tells you something traumatic, no matter how old you are, you're like, fuck yeah, burn it to the ground. And then usually you have, like, a 48-hour period. And if you're still, like, burn it to the ground after that, that's when I recommend that people actually do things magically, mundane, whatever. I'm like, write that shit down in a letter, put it in a box for 48 hours. If you read it again and you still feel that way, commence. But that's not what our good sis did, because she's 10 or whatever. So she was like, fuck him, I want him dead. But I don't think she actually thought about what that means. Because when you're a kid, you're like, God, I wish he'd die. And then, like, if he does, you're like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, no. Like, I think she wanted to have agency over it. Yeah. I, I think, I think she, she wanted to be able to be like, this is the time. I think she definitely would have tortured him for a while and maybe built her way up to killing him. Um, just because. And I also, I do acknowledge that, again, it's complicated family drama shit. So oh, she was going to be sad whenever he was murdered, whether she did it or, like, this witch lady did it. But I will also say that as a child who wished someone dead and then they died, I regretted nothing. So because I'm assuming Eve's a yeah, little Gemini. Yeah, just don't care. You don't. You like, I had wished and it had happened. What else can I wish for? And then nothing else happens. You're like, I oh, that say, was just luck. I think, I think if there had been more chronological time in between her finding out that her dad was doing this and then deciding to kill him, I think she would have felt less bad. I think like the finding out that all the shit was happening and then him being dead came in such like she just found out so much information over such a short period of time to contrast with like all of these years where she thought her dad was the best i feel like that's what makes it complicated i feel like if he had lived longer and then just dropped dead she might have been like fuck that guy <laughs> because there would have been more of like the knowing he's a bastard to combat the i used to think my dad was the best and also because she has him on that pedestal it's in part because of the way he treats her because she's got some super middle child syndrome happening because he's dancing with the other daughter like the mother's holding the little boy who's one year younger than her and so she's like does nobody give a shit that i'm here just because i'm in the middle 
Um, and even after she's her father, like humping the neighbor, she's like, you never dance with me like you do Sicily. And it's like, you just watched him have an affair. You were having a traumatic response and you're like, can't you love me, Danny? And I'm just like, it's, it's such a family drama. I need to stop putting it on horror list. I, I've just decided I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, some of the movies that I find the most horrific, it's because of the interpersonal thing. <laughs> and it's also just, I think this movie was great because for a lot of these actors, it was the first time that we got them to see them doing this kind of work that they ended up doing more often or clearly like doing. It just felt like, a, a even though some of the subject matter was tender, I think it was really brave and bold of these actors to choose to tell this story in this way at the time they were doing it. Cause a lot of them weren't super famous at the time, like Diane was, but Lynn kind of was. Samuel L. Jackson was not the household name he is now. Just how I didn't find out that he was Jamal's dad in Ghostwriter until like last month. I always forget that. I always forget that. Because he wasn't famous yet. It was just a gig. He was in two scenes. But like now, <laughs> if you were like, we want Samuel L. Jackson to be the dad, they'd be like, you can't afford that. Um, so I think it was really smart and cool of them to be in a nuanced type of story and a time where Black people weren't really being allowed to tell nuanced stories. <laughs> also, I just want to bring up that um, Casey Lemons was pregnant while she filmed this movie. <laughs> for the first time and I think I find that horrifying I feel like that's why it's a horror film <laughs> and it's like oh god I'm bringing a child into this world <laughs> that's all I wanted to say about that I just learned that piece of information and I was like oh I don't know if I could have done that this is like Rosemary's Baby but for black people parenting parenting is the true horror I'm mostly joking parents I appreciate everything that you do I just find that whole concept for myself terrifying at core I like that the witchcraft is ambiguous because I want to believe it's the voodoo lady who did the father in, but also like this little Gemini was putting out some Gemini energy. And so did she already do it without the voodoo lady? Was the voodoo lady just extra insurance? Um, like when you buy it for your computer, but you know, you're not going to need it. Like, right. is that what happened? Cause she straight up found that husband and was like, oh yeah, your wife doesn't get lonely. Much like my dad doesn't get lonely. My mom gets lonely. Maybe you should come home some nights. And then walked away. And so like, she set a bunch of shit in motion. I, I, I am wondering if this is really secretly an origin story of a young baby witch. <laughs> if it were, she would be a really good one and not a scammer. Because this is why. <laughs> so um, my godmother teaches me this. Um, basically, the way the magic works is it's statistics. It's probability, right? So what you want to do is divine on like using tarot or runes or throwing bones or whatever, figuring out like what are some good mundane, and by mundane, I mean like real world practical, not necessarily that they're boring because sometimes they're hard, but like what things can I do to try to do this? So if like what you dream of is being a concert pianist, well, it probably wouldn't be a good idea for you to not take piano lessons ever and do a bunch of magic right? Because that's not going to happen for you. But you can also do magic around luck and road opening. So that way, while you're working on your mundane aspects, there are also spiritual and otherworldly paths being like boosting you. It's like wind in your sails, but you got to have sails. So like, I feel like on one hand, she did the mundane thing where she was like, bitch, I think that your wife is having sex with my dad. That's weird. Bye-bye. Um, but she didn't know if he was an alcoholic or if he was going to show up at this exact bar to do this exact thing. So I, it's a good, not great in that she killed her dad, but it's probably stressful. Um, but like, it's a good practical foundation for magic if you choose to continue it by being like, I had a problem. I made some concrete real world steps and also threw some shit into the universe, mm -hmm. and then he was dead. Like, that is not terrible praxis as a foundation of one's witchcraft journey. Yeah. <laughs> huh. I see what you did there. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of journey, I do want to give props to these the child, act, child actors in this film. Like, Journey and uh, Megan specifically, to be able to do that at such a young age, like goals, like 
I, I to do that today <laughs> for me goes. They were both so good. It's their movie. All, yeah, all three, all three of the children were great, but the, they just gave more to do with the girls, clearly. But like, yeah, it was great, and they they played a lot of really complex emotions, which I feel like could even be hard for children to comprehend and understand, much less embody. Right. We got adults that don't understand this relationship between this father and this daughter. And so for these children to have to like act around the situation when you have adults out here arguing about it, I, yeah. It was just really beautiful and vulnerable and powerful. It was also really fucked up that they're for, like the minute that uh, Cecily starts like having real, her emotional trauma has now become physical. They're like, oh, I guess we need to go take a vacation from the family. Like ship her off, <laughs> maybe that'll fix her or whatever. I'm just like, I mean, but maybe that I don't know. Also, it's really super shady of this father. No matter what narrative you want to live in, even though we know he's in the wrong in this podcast, it's really wrong of him to be like, I don't know what's wrong with her. Let's take her to some doctors. Don't gaslight her and pretend you're innocent. Don't do that. Why don't you go somewhere, sir? Why is it never the men who go on vacation? Right. He's the one who needs to go. Anyway, I can't, I try really hard to not be judgmental of other people, even fictional ones, because I understand it, but everyone has their own shit. But like, fuck that guy for real. Yes. <laughs> I, I hate him yes. so much. It's like how every time I see Blair Underwood in anything, I'm like, oh, so you're ready to be someone's terrible husband? Like, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm glad that I didn't see this movie a lot before I saw other things, because for a while, I'd just be like, are you here to be a predator, Sam. Like that would fuck me up. Right? <laughs> he was too good at. I was concerned. Sam, right. oh, nice work, but also I'm concerned. I'm sure it was like really hard for him to like. Like I'm sure those scenes are also like just really hard to film. Oh yeah, uh, the scene where he has to kiss her, and they do it. They had to. They had to have done it twice. So they did the one when she's telling the sister where he comes at her, and they do the one at the end where she goes at him. So they had to do that at least twice, if not more. Not fun. Unpleasant. A lot more, because it's film. So right. they probably did that for a whole damn night. Unpleasant. And I I prefer how they do things now. I will say um, one thing I really like about Intimacy Direction is, mm-hmm. um, so there was that movie, The Tale, um, with Laura Dern on HBO that was about her, like, to her re-remembering some like childhood trauma and the thing I liked about it is it was kind of like this where like you see one version of a scene where she is much older she sees a picture of herself at that age and she's a kid and then you see the scene again and it's a kid but anytime there was like abuse stuff happening they very obviously used a body double who was older than the child actor kind of to be like audience I know you're concerned this is an adult human and it didn't take me out of the narrative but it was nice to know that that small girl was not in that scene right then um and so I hope if they did remake this movie I would hope that they would take care in that way just feel like there are certain things that I am just uncomfortable (laughs) with actors having to do at certain ages even if you have like a child psychologist on set and all that stuff like I think things like that could just be really damaging to a person um Megan seems good I'm glad she's good I'm sure that like they were very ethical on set but I in 2021 would prefer (laughs) that if they do remake this I don't want you having any 13 year olds kissing grown men Mm-mm. on movie screens please thanks mm-hmm. just like to say that in advance because i'm sure that nate parker or someone is Ooh, ready to make this is. movie i just want him to know be ready to get dragged if you have some 13 year old kissing her dad on tv <laughs> um the ghost husbands gave me that super magical realism vibe that i love but also i feel like they weren't really effective until at the end when she was communicating with her dead brother and it was like oh that's right she does commune with the dead and so it was like, I feel like her subplot did not, it was not strengthened by having them there to shoot each other and haunt her every once in a while, as it was supposed to be. I wish they had just made, I wish they had made it more magical because at first it just felt like they were just adding to the whole everyone's an unreliable narrator like shtick that they had and so I was like did this happen are we seeing this happen are we talking to these people and I wish they had made it more clear I know some of the magic was supposed to be ambiguous which is valid but I wish they had made it more clear that like no she is for real real 
psychic or whatever. Because I kept saying she was just like unstable. And I was like, mm, you could be both. And the mother it was even like, she can be both. She, she sees the thing. She just ain't stable. And it's also crazy. How, how stable <laughs> would you be if you were seeing things and dead people were talking to you? And you like, were in therapy. I would be a little off. My godmother always right? says, what are the therapy back then? One of the first things you need to do if you want to be a magical practitioner is you need to get a therapist who is not going to call you crazy for believing in magic <laughs> because you need to be able to be like, I need you to help me suss out if this is a vision or if I'm crazy right now. You need somebody to help you with that stuff. And if you don't have that and you also are seeing crazy shit all the time, some alive people, some dead people, like, of course you're crazy. All your husbands are dead. That's crazy as shit. That whole plot line, I was like, this is its own movie. Truly, truly. Right? Because we don't know we don't know who cursed her and how she got to be cursed. And we also she, don't know when she's going to stop trying because she's going to get married again. And she's like, I hope this time I go with him because I'm trying to be left alone. Do you like, have, have like a lot of proof that that's not going to work out? She was like, he won't have it any other way. And like, I'm sure he'd like to be alive. Have Ma'am? you shown him all three urns and told him you're a curse? Um, it's like, but... <laughs> It's like, ma'am, you're grown. Like, who's gonna right? tell you what to do? Just do what you want. I just, I feel like somebody would have been down to be hoes with her if she had talked about it. I was concerned. I was wondering that shit. I was like, what? I've seen magical magic. This is not gonna go right. well. Um, <laughs> Lots of people don't need to be married, and so I don't know why she found the one who needed it. Like, but does he have a death wish? Is that what we're doing? Maybe that's what she's into. Maybe that's why it's happening. Uh, because I feel like the men in this movie, we didn't talk about this and I didn't write this down, but I just realized, I feel like a lot of the men in this movie have this like fatalist attitude that like we don't talk about a lot because most of them are also garbage. But like there <laughs> is a weird through line, like people being put in these weird situationships that have turned violent. And then at any point, someone could choose peace and said they choose violence like the husband who was like shoot me then and it's like why why would you do that or like when he's like don't talk to my wife again and he's like bye and then he shot him and I was like I feel like this is so stupid like what is wrong with you so I don't know what if they were trying to make a point about that about like men being I don't think suicidal is the right word it's that fake bravado. Uh, it's that toxic masculinity where it's just like, I'm not afraid of anything. You need to bow down to me. I'm the alpha dog. And instead of people bowing down, they shoot them. And then they're like, oh no, didn't see that coming. Oh no. Not <laughs> yeah. It's like, I'm going to shoot me. And I, show me. <laughs> I just can't imagine a world. I mean, I love Dean very much. I cannot imagine a world where someone Dean was fucking came over to my house and pointed a gun at me. And was like, if you don't let me leave with him, I'm shooting you. And me being like, fine, shoot me. Like, I just don't think, I don't get that. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, and he was cheating on me too? Sure, girl, have him. You go get cheated on. Like, I just don't get it. Like, I love him so much. But like, if you're trifling ass, not only do you cheat on me, but with someone crazy who is coming to murder me, I'm out. But I watched a lot of horror it's like I told Dean one day, I was like, if you ever cheat on me, please do not cheat on me with a bitch who's gonna shoot me dead. Leave me out of it. Let me go. I think I think another part of the puzzle here is that like women are treated as property in this world because it's the South and men are just garbage to women. And so when he says to talk to my wife, he's like, uh, your wife comes to me when she wants to, because I'm down here. And also like oh my god the auntie whose name i keep forgetting those two men weren't fighting because they were in love with her they were fighting to own her yeah and she was like okay they also don't specify the time period because it feels that's true feels 50s ish it does it feels 50s ish but like bougie black people are often they transcend time like, if you look at, like, I know this man's canceled, but, like, if you look at episodes of The Cosby Show when they, like, all go to Hillman as a family and they're, like, in that church or whatever, that could happen in the 90s, that could happen in the 50s, that could happen in the 20s. Like, <laughs> so, so sometimes I'm just, like, y'all are real conservative with your views and you wear old fancy clothes. I don't, what year is it? Um, but I, it was very stained your groundy, I guess, Sheree, you just made me realize. Yeah, so that's gross. That's gross. 
It was like those like it was like those fucking Shakespeare plays where it's like I'm gonna challenge you to a duel, and it's just like how about you not? How about you just let her say who she wants to be with, and you all go home. Well, and I also feel like maybe that's the sister's curse. It's not that she will automatically murder men. It's that she is attracted to instability and violence. And the kind of guys that she finds hot are the kind of guys who will threaten to shoot other people for her love. And maybe that is the big the big issue here, ma'am. The fact that she was going to leave with a guy who came with a gun until the other one was like, shoot me for her. And she was like, that's why I love she was him. like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, that's you knew you loved him because he was willing to die <laughs> to keep you in this house. Okay. Um, I have thoughts, Debbie, but I don't and remember. And she's been the therapy. That's the issue. Is it like she's been in therapy now? I know it wasn't great because I'm assuming they just threw you in the crazy house or whatever. And like, <laughs> locked you in a room or whatever but i just feel like you of all people should know this is not healthy behavior you right? can see into other people's brains you've been to therapy so that's the curse in my opinion is chasing after men who you know are toxic right. not that the men's oh. toxicity is your fault no i'm just no. saying it's not hot when someone yeah. threatens someone else with a weapon you are a moth drawn to a flame <laughs> and you can prevent this forest fire by flying away right fly away the light's bad light is sus right so there's okay there's one more moment that i want to talk about because like it's just came to me and i was just like that was really fucked up so when um when eve uh yeah when eve is with um lewis her dad and he's making house calls and he literally tells her to go wait outside while he has sex with this woman because she's like doctor i have pains and then he's like, go outside. And he shuts the door and he's like, starting to take a shirt off. He's like, where's where your pain at or whatever. And I was like, you are disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, at least wait till your doctor's home. Look, I will have friends who will not be named. But like, I know people for real whose parents were like cheating on their other parents and would like be like, I'm going to take the kid to baseball. And then they'd be like, here's five bucks don't tell mom I'm leaving and then they would go do their dirt like people use children as a weird adultery shield often and we know no matter how young we are we know and you and this woman spend time together for reasons but here's my question is she the only one because I don't think so of course not which is so men men I just feel like (laughs) What's also really insidious about that too is like you're exploiting the fact that your child doesn't know what sex is. So eventually when they realize what sex is, then they're going to retroactively be traumatized again because they're going to read, oh wait, dad didn't actually want to spend time with me. He was just using me as a shield for his adultery. (laughs) So it's like, not only are you taking advantage of your child, but also you are going to re-traumatize them again in like 10, eight to 10 years when they realize, oh wait, oh God, (laughs) that's going to be a whole... And I know that he's not thinking about oh, that because he's only thinking about himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what you're supposed to get out of it. I think I think what is interesting about the whole, like, I was lied to, or like that shitty letter, is I think it really just establishes this is a man who only cares about himself. He only thinks about himself. And like, while he might have other feelings and motivations, like at core, what he wants is to do what he wants to do. He doesn't care if he hurts other people so like if there is like a villain i guess it would be him but also just like masculinity in general like the fact that like people don't see this as a problem like i think the by i don't think that the victims are necessarily because let's say like the mom also helped perpetrate abuse with the kids but he she is also being abused and gaslighted by this man so it's like men and the enabling of these men is like this vicious cycle that i think is what hopefully we'll grow up to break right well and here's here's a part of it that i think we're missing too when talking about the mother is that she like this is his family that they're living with it's his sister and his mother and so if she were to do something where are they gonna be if it is the 50s and she's a single mother in louisiana with no money and three children like you know so I, there's a lot of stuff to, to keep in mind with that but like yeah I, it, hey it's why i always fight with people in hotep groups um about 
like the black marriage or whatever and they're like feminists are ruining marriage and it's like no women just couldn't have bank accounts until like the 1980s so your grandmama and them had to put up with your abusive ass granddaddy because they would be homeless without him so like I don't like when people perpetuate that shit now I still don't like it when people perpetuate that shit back in the day but I can at least get part of it when you literally don't have as many other options as you do right now. It still sucks. You're still shitty for that. Your child did not ask to be born. But I'm just saying that I can understand how a woman in that position who it's like all of the money that I have is tied to this man, my home, my shelter. If I move out, I won't live with my kids anymore. I could, I wouldn't get custody. I could understand how that could feel like a more complex choice than it should be right now, today in 2021 with the internet as it is. Do we think that the aunt could have broken the curse by running off with the wife? I love that. <laughs> I they really spent like a lot of time that. talking shit on him. They spent a lot of time talking shit on him. She was like, yeah, my brother's shit. And she was like, yeah, your brother's shit. I'm gonna get my fortune read. And so I felt like they were close. And I feel like perhaps that's how you break the curse is to stop dating trash men. That's the remake I want. I'll be damn with that. They have to carry Madame Zeroni up the mountain. (laughs) We need to go (laughs) move to a cabin somewhere with our kids. And I feel like people have done that. Like in that time period, that's how you escape those kind of cycles. It's like Mm -hmm. if you had a sibling or like another mom in a similar situation who you move out with and protect each other from fiends (laughs) and hopefully someone would give you a job and then you could do that. But like I do, you're right. I think maybe that's why it would be interesting to see the magical elements played up, but then after it was over, the characters have to think about like, was I using magic as a way to avoid dealing with my problems, like my real problems. Mm-hmm. Like people say, we're gonna pray about it or we're gonna do magic around it. But if you don't acknowledge the mundane circumstances around your problems, they're never gonna get better. It doesn't matter how many spells you do. If you keep dating garbage, violent men, you're going to keep being in garbage, violent relationships. <laughs> you should be glad they didn't kill you, ma'am. <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. All right, do we have any final notes before we get to our hot takes? Let's get to these hot takes. I'm, Let's do I'm it. hot. I'm ready. You're hot. Like the Caesars. Caesars. hot and ready to go. <laughs> hot and ready. Like, like, Caesars. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to some hot takes. So I just really enjoyed that the movie sets you up with the idea of who slash what the antagonists will be with like all the black magic like othering elements of it but then it subverts the trope and just like regular regular misogynoir is the true antagonist as it is often in life um and i think that is pretty revolutionary for 1997 like having it be that kind of a bait and switch with like samuel l who black dudes love and being like but he's not he's bad in this (laughs) like this is not like this is bad um so i enjoyed that i enjoyed that it it was one of the most fun like decoy antagonists i've seen in a while and that's why i enjoyed that aspect of it my hot take is when you want like the scenes that were the most rough besides the one with the kissing that was the roughest but like other than that the scenes that were hardest for me to watch were when the sisters um, were laying in bed listening to their parents fighting. It just, it brought back so many things from my childhood and I'm sure many other people could share that same sentiment, you know, um, coming from homes that were not uh, healthy, let's, shall we say. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, those, that, those scenes were just really difficult to watch and, but also universal, I think kids dealing with parents trauma my hot take is this felt like something adapted from a novel or a play and i'm so confused that no one has hit up cassie about correcting that injustice of adapting it into a play and or novel because i would i can't afford it so i won't approach her but i would definitely put this on play and i think it would work better and we could update some of the problems that we found um and it would definitely be something to behold on stage one day, Charette, you have enough money, you will buy the rights, you will do it, and at the end, the mom and sister will run away together. Yes, yes. they will. All right. <laughs> so next week, we are going to dive into Tales from the Hood with LaRob Payton, a.k.a. LaBob. Um, and yeah, so we're really excited about getting into that. Another, wasn't that in the 90s? That was a 90s movie, isn't it? Yep. 
Another yeah, 90s. Earlier than this one, even. We're stuck in the 90s. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Because the 90s was back when they were letting Black people make things until the WB cannibalized UPN and Black people disappeared for 10 years. Right? Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Um, but yes, next week we will continue to highlight Black creators that are not Jordan Peele for the month of February. Um, <laughs> um, yes, no money straight back to Jordan as far as we know so far. As far as we know. Um, Jordan Peele produced East Bayou. <laughs> he probably did. Cat's gonna be like, Jordan no, no. <laughs> Jordan Peele. I feel like Jordan Peele will get like retroactive producer credits on like all Black movies. <laughs> Five heartbeat. Jordan Peele. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, Crystal, for coming back and joining us again. We're sure to. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. We're sure to have you back on in, at some point in the future. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening and make sure you stay fierce out there. Bye.